The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV's Christmas episode. You may remember we've done these in the past. We don't look at this year's Christmas TV, but we look at TV of years gone by, talking about our Christmas TV traditions and just some of the sillier things on TV over Christmas. Contributor to the site, Sophie Davis, will be here to talk about the 1996 episode of Top of the Pops, hosted by the Spice Girls, with a brief appearance by Phil Mitchell. We talk about that far more than we should. Uh, We've also got the guys from Walford Weekly Podcast to talk about why soaps matter at Christmas. Specifically, obviously, they'll talk about EastEnders. Then we're joined by Dawn from the Shipyard Podcast to look back at the 1999 Christmas episode of Dinner Ladies. And then, as is slowly becoming tradition, we are joined by Gary and by Sarah to do a festive edition of our quiz Boxmaster, ably put together and hosted by Matt. So a lot to get through. How many Amazon parcels are in your house at the moment? You just well, went to the door to just get the, them. Well, just the one in that delivery, but, you know, they've been coming thick and fast. I haven't had a lot from Amazon myself. I've sort of gone around to different websites this year, um, but it has all been done online. So mine isn't coming from Amazon? No. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the site yours is <laughs> <laughs> Early Learning Centre dot com. No, they don't exist anymore, do they? I tried. Mothercare, then, aren't they? They don't exist either. They not. No, Mothercare is not a thing anymore either. Oh, right, because Early Learning Centre was in. You can cut all this out. No, you're blowing my mind. It's important. It's important. We're talking about Mothercare. Not even online. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to Google it. Because like Thornton's is all online now. There's no high street presence. Thorntons. Anyway, I feel like we've drifted. I, no, this is exactly the point of the Christmas podcast. It's completely freewheeling. When do you have your Christmas dinner? We're quite late, so we are sort of two, three o'clock. I know, I don't think that's late. I think no. you're going to say six o'clock when you... No, 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 no. Yeah, no. That's about right, one, two, three o'clock. Yeah, that's... Four o'clock right. rock. Yeah, the queen's <laughs> <laughs> on at three, but before mm. her, traditionally... Is top of the pops. We asked a site contributor Sophie Davis to chat to us about an episode we found on YouTube 
1996 when Matt and I were both 13 years old. And now Sophie Davis is going to join us to talk about the ever-relevant 1996 Christmas Day edition of Top of the Pops. Now, we did just say before um, we pressed record uh, that you were four in 1996, Sophie, weren't you, when this would have been on? Yeah, I would have been four, um, but I did, you know, I did know all of the songs. I did recognise all of them, I think. You know, it is a Christmas special, so it's kind of summing up the best songs of that year, really, isn't it? So mm. it's all the kind of the classics that have lasted, apart from, you know, one or two, which haven't lasted we'll, so well. We'll get to those. We'll get to those. Yeah. But um, what is your relationship with Top of the Pops in general? Did you, did you have one growing up? Yeah, it kind of, I can't remember what year it ended now. I remember it being a thing, but um, at the moment I do quite regularly watch the repeats that happen on BBC4 every Friday night. Well, you're um, basically a fan of if... comedy, aren't you? And that's quite yeah. comedic. <laughs> basically, if I'm in on a Friday night, I'll watch that. And the other people on Twitter who kind of tweet along with it are very funny. Um, but at the moment, we're on 1991, which mm. is very bland in comparison to this 1996 just episode we just watched. 91, because they they've just had the Christmas special of 91, which I saw. It was quite a bland era. So this was like a breath of fresh air for me, <laughs> honestly. It was fun. It was. That, actually, that is the first. We'll get to the bits and bobs, but I do admit that this was a, a real pleasure and fun to watch i really enjoyed it when matt floated the idea i was thinking how can we make this podcast worthy but it was really fun i mean if somebody can do a whole podcast on s club i suppose <laughs> i suppose anything is possible so we made this fun so go on and matt. what I, what i was going to say is part of the reason i sort of looked into which ones were available because bbc4 are showing Five Christmas specials on next week, so it's seven o'clock on BBC Four. Um, they've got random. They've got the ninety-eight Christmas special, which unfortunately I couldn't find on YouTube. Although we I did say find... when Matt says next week, I don't know when that is because I don't yeah, know when I'm putting week. this up. This week, probably. Yeah, I caught one the other night, and it was the nineteen eighty-eight Christmas special where Ooh. Cliff Richard was number one. And, yeah, that felt like a very different era. There was a lot of <laughs> bros as well. A lot of bros. There's not enough yeah. bros now, though, I feel. I think we've gone from <laughs> too much bros to not enough. There's got to be a happy medium. But the, the clip from 98 I found was uh, Jay McDonald doing Cruising into Christmas on a sleigh ah. that was being pulled by <laughs> Jamie Theakston. How <laughs> 98 can you get? That screams Christmas to me. I don't know about anybody but else. T- 2006 is when Top of the Pops... Uh, oh. finished right it's, it's weird to me that they still like it's still part of the festive mm. schedule now why do you think that is that every year they bring it back for christmas day i don't know do you it's day? just tradition rather than anything else because it's not they ended it because it wasn't relevant in the you know we talk about the tv streaming area era but the music streaming area mm. area came way before area that. I know, I can't say era. 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 I shouldn't have, era. I shouldn't have bothered saying era. 
But yeah, that's. I think it's just because it's tradition. But anyway, Matt, go on. Talk to us about it. So it is the Top of the Pops 1996 Christmas special, and it is hosted by the Spice Girls, um, who in every do sort of every link together and seemingly yeah. have to get a line in each before they've introduced each <laughs> act. Um, it starts with them doing a line from the famous uh, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Um, and they bring on this sort of stripper man and they reject the stripper man and then Phil Mitchell comes on for some strange reason. And <laughs> that's how it starts. There? Why was he there? I have so many questions about that. What did we think to this intro? Yeah, I started it and I was immediately like, wait, what is happening? Like, they're like immediately shouting and then Phil Mitchell shows up. It's like quite a lot coming at you at the very beginning. But I liked that, I think... their energy throughout the whole thing. But it's quite shouty and it's like a bit like, you know, when you're sort of in school and you have to read it out loud in class and you're like <laughs> seeing the words for the first time as you're reading them. It's got that kind of energy. And like there's a few bits where they all have to say something in unison. Mm. And there's always at least mm. one of them who gets the words wrong every or time. Forgets and comes and comes in halfway through. Like <laughs> they all start, four of them start, and then there's one who goes, "Oh, I need to do it as well." Um, but you, I, I suppose, as you said, you were a little bit too young to re- to remember the hype surrounding the Spice Girls. Um, Luke, well, you, was, you were, were you in the country at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was weirdly enough, I was on holiday when Spice when Wannabe dropped and then they came mm. back and the country was obsessed with it. But it's worth mm. remembering that that came out in the July and here mm-hmm. they are in De- in the December of the same year performing three times and hosting the whole thing. Mm. I don't think that ha- would happen now at all or even in recent memory for, some, but for a group to be that big that soon and that relevant to be given but the whole thing at Christmas. Only very brief, you know, it was only about two years, wasn't it? And that's how, how long it really lasted. I know they came back in 2000, but it was sort of a bit of, um, there was sort of the, it was the 96 to 98 run, really, that they'll be remembered for, yeah, the Spice Girls. S Club again, but it, that does seem to be sort of the shelf life of these groups. Because mm. S Club didn't last much longer than two years and were they they were the same management weren't they as well wasn't they yeah it was um simon fuller the spice girls fired him after a bit and then he started s club seven as some sort of revenge obviously yeah um but um yeah i think with the short shelf life of those groups when they had that sort of management they did get worked really hard like s club Mm. seven were basically doing an album every year and a tv series every year and then doing live stuff it was like the management just worked them so hard they just wanted to end after a few years because they were so knackered and it was probably the same with the spy skills the format of the show is essentially there's 12 big performances and then there's clips of other songs that have sold quite well in the year with with the Spice Girls going through sort of the news in bullet point form as well. So <laughs> if you right, want like, to definitely. know what happened in 1996, Sophie, the, you know, you got it all in this hour, didn't you? Exactly yes. all the news. That's how I want to get my news from now on, <laughs> the Spice Girls, to sum it up for me. Just like, shouting the, at you. Yeah. There's a bit where they say something like, oh, Braveheart won the Oscar for best film. And then Mel B is like, and I also got my tongue pierced that month. 
Thanks for that. Because <laughs> she's the crazy one. Yeah. And, and they do really commit to the personas. I appreciate yeah, they that. Do. They do. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Like Mel like, C looks like she's trying to start a fight whenever she says anything, and that definitely seems like a deliberate choice. To and, be fair, and... Victoria's kept to that persona for nearly thirty odd years now, and it's well, no, but she's well. like almost like the seductress, isn't she? Like, yeah. she says at one point she got on Santa's knee and stroked his oh. beard. The first performance that is introduced for January is uh, Babylon Zoo. Now, Luke, in your research, do you know why they said it was Victoria's brother? Because that completely confused me. No, I didn't. I did research. I didn't go that far into the wormhole, but I did did wish I did because I I don't think I'd heard that song for years and it hadn't occurred to me what a strange beast it is, how it's this sort of rock track, how it's this sort of rave thing with the sort of crazy frog middle it's all over the place and, and it was on wondering... a jeans advert wasn't it uh, yes i remember that i i didn't get the jeans but that was for other <laughs> reasons but it just it, what an odd track that is is this one of the ones you remembered sophie because that has not stood the test of time as well as some of the other ones on here I, I know it, but I'm not sure if it's just because I used to go to a dance school when I was younger and we did a dance to it at one point dressed as aliens. And I'm pretty sure that's the reason I know it rather than just it's still around. No, it's um, definitely not around. Because, yeah, I, when I looked it up, I saw that it was, you know, really big from this particular advert. And mm. But when I watched the advert, it's only the beginning bit of the song. So mm. I was thinking, I wonder how many people bought the single and were and then, then really, like, let down when it, it changes after the intro into this sort of grunge. I think thing. a lot of people, because a lot of people just remember the the, the, the beginning bit, don't they? And, and not yeah. the... when it goes into, like, this just sort of downbeat indie song. Also, I'm always Just fascinated. I'm always fascinated on top of the pops. The need, because there's drums in it, to have a drummer there who is clearly not playing drums. I don't know why they have to do that <laughs> and pretend like we're all supposed to believe. Oh yes, that drummer is playing the drums in both the spaceman ravey bits and these rocky grunge bits. Bizarre. I don't know why they sort of do sort of play acting. It's strange. So were they, was this guy Miami Luke? I think he may have been. Yes, he definitely was. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. keep us, I'll, I'll, do I you want to just tell us when someone isn't miming? Yeah, that that's not going to come up for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's quite mixed, isn't it? Because in, yeah. in the repeats that I've been watching, it used to be everybody mimes, like that was mm. a, a rule. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of switched, I think, I don't know if it's like 1990 or 1991 where it switched where people were mostly singing live. So it's weird to me watching this now where it's five years later and most people seem to be miming. I don't know why that is, like why it's sort of gone back almost. How do you find the miming though? Because I think, you know, why are they there? But I think I it depends you, on the song. Like I think, energy, the, I, suppose you need it, I think the Spice Girls are clearly miming because it just sounds exactly like it does yeah, on the, the, record. the record. And I think they do kind of sell it with the performance. Whereas when it's somebody like I watched an episode where Morrissey was on, and it's literally <laughs> him standing on the stage like still, and he's miming, and it just seems so like unnecessary. Like why was he even there? We then go to January's biggest hits. This is preceded by. Um, the first of what seems like 
endless news updates about Michael Jackson. I don't know if we got here um, Jerry saying she, she found him sexy, but we were hearing about his, his weddings and his divorces and um, his nephews, who we would see uh, very briefly. But the three songs we got here were Father and Son by Boyzone, Jesus to a Child by George Michael, and uh, Michael Jackson's Earth Song, which Luke remembers as the Christmas number one from the previous year, previous don't you? That year, was... yeah. There's a lot of Michael Jackson in this episode. There was a bit mm. later where they mentioned him getting remarried, and Mel yeah. B is like, I bet that'll last, won't it? <laughs> and it's like, how rude. That seems very British. We're only three years after his first court, court trial thing in 93, when all those accusations first rose up with three years on from that and they, they're making him out you ever heard the phrase the more things change the more things stay the same and while we love the excitement of new things it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant hey it's Wilmer Valderrama and when it comes to insurance a state farm is a good neighbor you can count on solo llama a tu agente another way state farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura podcast network family Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. In parts to be a sex symbol, in other parts they're mocking, as you say, his marriages. They've got a really strange relationship with him. Jerry calls him sexy on two different occasions. It's very peculiar. We went then to the uh, the famous bit where the Spice Girls are wearing fake eyebrows now. Do you get and the feeling, Sophie, that they they were told to do all these things, or that somebody thought it was fun? Because some yeah, of in, in pretty really much fun. every shot. Yeah, in pretty much every shot, there's kind of doing something wacky in the background. Like one of them's like pretend to strangle the other one, and like <laughs> it's as if they they've been told like you can't stand still at any point. Like whenever one of you is doing a line, the rest of you have to be like messing around and pulling faces in the background. It, it, did it ever feel? Because for me, it felt completely awkward all the time. Just all of their delivery because they're just underprepared. They just they're just. They're playing characters and they're not very convincing actresses to me. I just found it all a little bit cringeworthy and I felt for them having to do it because it didn't come naturally. What, what did you think looking back on it retrospectively? Yeah, it's quite mixed, isn't it? I think some of them are a bit better than others. I think Emma Bunton is one of the better ones and that might be... I think, isn't she like... She does like radio presenting she now. and maybe now, yeah. That, she's kind of lent herself to that a bit. Although there is one bit where she introduces the Fugees and calls them the Fudgies. Mm. And yeah. the girls standing next to her visibly like start laughing and Victoria like gives her the side eye. So it clearly wasn't deliberate. I mean, how old are they? They must be in their 20s. Are they early 20s? You know... Mm. 
probably to be and they've and they've only just got big yeah, i just did some googling mm. using the internet and uh, emma bunton was 20 when that went out i mean they wouldn't give a 20 year old you know a job like that on top of the pops on christmas day normally so to be in a pop group that were only big in the summer then thrust into that i think they did it as best as it could possibly mm. be and this and this skipped where three of them were playing women with the name beginning with t to oh. introduce 3t um I, i'm guessing 3t are one of the acts that you didn't recognize here sophie yeah, I looked this up and it says that in 1996 they were the second biggest selling group in Europe after the Spice Girls and that's mad to me because I've just got no memory of them at all and I have to say this performance is one of the worst things I've seen on any Top of the Pop so far. Like they're so whiny and flat. Yeah. I found this one painful. I was like, what is this? I've never heard this before. And I think it's part of Part of oh. that sales might have been the next single was a, a single with Uncle Michael, which might have mm-hmm. done much better in Europe. But certainly That's that, I mean, if they weren't, you know, Jackson family members, that wouldn't have been a hit at all. That was really... Whose sons brilliant. were they? They were Tito's, Tito's. I believe. Yeah. You know, they, they were, were definitely called... singing live. Yes, they were. They were because they, it was okay. awful. Then we got the the February um, news bits. Uh, Jarvis Cocker at the Brit Awards. Something about train spotting. Going into Don't Look Back in Anger, Lifted, right. and Slight Return, which are all very oh. big nineties. Lifted hits. is still a great song, and I will fight anybody who says otherwise. That is a great song, and I don't know why the Lighthouse Family haven't had a resurgence. That is a great and slight return. Got everything you ever got everything they ever done. Got everything they've ever done and um, (laughs) slight return as well. Brilliant nineties record. What what struck me about this and I don't know if you're noticing this on the nineteen ninety one series that you're watching is that what's lacking in the charts now is diversity in you know indie dance pop you know really sugary pop. We seem to just be in this era of whatever popular on the internet is in the charts, whereas this was very distinctive, diverse, to go from Oasis to Babylon Zoo to Gina G to the Spice Girls to the Smurfs. (laughs) That was uh... the biggest tonal whiplash from (laughs) Breakfast at Tiffany's into the Smurfs. Although Smurfs albums are really big. Well, yeah, they... I looked that up. I'm now fascinated because it's called like the Smurfs Go Pop, and there's a song on it called Mr. Smurf Tastic, which I mm. want to listen to. Well, if we've spawned your ne- if we've spawned your next podcast, I think you owe us some sort of reviewing every song on all the Smurfs albums. <laughs> I also, yeah, on the Wikipedia page for it, it says um I think they referenced this in the episode as well that they wanted I say they as if the Smurfs are actual people but the Smurfs wanted to cover an Oasis song on the album I think it was Wonderwall yeah and they said no and there's a quote that says um what is Noel Gallagher saying we hated the Smurfs as kids I'm not letting a bunch of blue guys in white hats touch our stuff this was a weird one Robert Miles children yes yeah posh by saying she wanted Robert Miles's children and calling him Robert Kilometers or Kilometer yeah <laughs> that was weird and did he perform I... live no he didn't 
no, he didn't perform live. But I mean, going back to diversity, that is that is a cool track to listen to on your own in your headphones. It is not a cool track to watch somebody sort of mime play the piano to. I just that was especially a, while you're opening your presents on Christmas what Day. What a weird performance! <laughs> That is the weirdest performance. What's the weirdest performance you've seen in 1991? Is the one that sticks out, Sophie, is on par with that? Because that just felt really odd to me. Oh, God, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, I'll have to have a think. The the Christmas special from 1988 that was on the other week had um, Bross singing a version of Silent Night, Oh, where okay. it was like Matt Goss, it was as if he was trying to do some sort of dare, where he was trying to hold every note as long as possible. Um, um, I took a video of it because it was so funny. I'll send you it after. But please. he's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like the singing the word Jesus for absolutely ages. <laughs> There's nothing more Christmassy than that. But, and of well, course, I mean, Luke Goss is sitting at the drums in the background with nothing to do because there isn't really like a drum solo in Silent <laughs> Night. We had um, the March song, so it was uh, How Deep Is Your Love by Take That, obviously their um, mm. final song. Give Me a Little Bit More Time by Gabrielle. What a and, song. <laughs> and um, a less known boy's own song, Coming Home Now where the dancing in this video was, was quite something. I don't know if you picked up on that. We went then into uh, Return of the Mac, possibly the best song here. That, that hasn't aged. And, and, and as the Spice Girls say, there were some profound lyrics throughout a lot of Mark Morrison's hits, because they were saying crazy tripping, crazy tripping, and then they all said horny. I will say that I don't every link that they that the Spice Girls had, and this is why I felt for them. Every link seemed to be overtly sexual, involved them going cool or talking about <laughs> men all the time. Um, I just I don't know how that just wouldn't sit well today. There's even a bit later on where Mel there's Mel B mocks Chris Eubanks. Lisp, which everyone was doing then, but I just think that's another example of something we wouldn't be able to do. I just think they, it, yeah, they and there's like... a bit as well, isn't there, where um, Robbie Williams introduces them because obviously mm. they can't introduce themselves. I would love them if they had wanting to kiss all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but as well, they were they were sort of for little girls, but also their dads. I think that was what the Spice but Girls. The, were. But the thing, what the thing that struck me and it hadn't occurred to me, and maybe I'm living in 2021 in my head now too much, but. They were a group that was built on girl power. Little girls loved them because of girl power. Teenagers loved them. And yet every link they did had some reference to being a woman and wanting a, to be in a relationship with this bloke or sitting on Santa's lap. And, you know, it just felt was, a bit Was your sister clumsy. a Spice Girls fan, Luke? Because I yes. know you've got a sister around the same age, haven't you, yeah, as yourself? Yeah, she was, yeah. She had uh, the tape and like liked them a lot. But yeah, I just I I probably would have seen that in nineteen ninety six and not thought anything of it. But watching it through this annoying lens of twenty twenty one now, I just I think oh god, Luke, you're of, so woke. I know I do I do feel a little bit, <laughs> but I just feel like they they did they were done a disservice by having to just remark on every 
you know, possibly attractive man there and go, wow, I want to be with him sort of thing. It's I think that was quite bit... a 90s thing. It was that kind of mm. ladette culture where... Mm. Yeah. As it's kind of like, and... yeah, it was kind of like feminism was still a bit of a dirty word, so it was called girl power, and it was kind of yeah. like, let's do what the men do, and you know, drink them under the table and that sort of thing. Like well, that was sort of like the Mel B, wasn't she? She she would be the one to drink you under the table. I think Mel C was the classic like Ladette style with the the tracky bottoms and things. Yeah, I but think they, that's kind they... of what it is. Like the way, yeah, Jerry is quite like you know. Whoa. Oh, look at that guy. Like, I think there's one bit later where she's very like, um, oh, someone requested that for Christmas I should put some clothes on and I'm considering it. Nos. And it's quite quite sort of like, for want of a better word, like gobby, like that sort of thing. And it, that was, I think, quite different at the time. Mm. Like, it was quite like, oh, these girls are cool because women in the public eye weren't necessarily being like that and being sort of like cocky with themselves. Any thoughts on returning the Mac at all, Sophie? Mark Morrison. Yeah, I think like you said about that before, that could like that could have come out any year, really. Like when it came up, I, I wasn't specifically like, oh, this is very nineties. Like that could have come out any time, really. Still good now. Oh, I mean, the, there was that scene in Starstruck, wasn't there, where she sort of walks down the. Oh, cool. The canal um, yeah, to, I forgot about that. Which I was just like, yeah, that's a good use of that song. Um, but then late, he appears to do one of the links later with an American accent, even though he's... Yeah, and he mentions Gaza getting married. And because I wasn't sure where he was from, I looked him up because I was like, if they got an American to say that Gaza got married, yeah. that is insane. But it said he was born in Britain, so... Yeah, he's like... Well, they did, they did introduce him as Lester's original gangster, did the Spice Girls. Right, um, okay. <laughs> I have always assumed he was American. I don't think I've. Mm. I just never questioned it. It, it was a, It was around the era where you know, African American R and B was huge, and I just assumed that he was in that line because "Return of the Mac" is such a good song. Mm. Mm-hmm. He went. I, I believe he ran for mayor of Leicester very recently. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what he didn't win. I, I doubt it, but who knows? I think we um, know. This is then where we got the Chris Eubank joke. They talked a lot over the Design for Life Manic Street Preachers, and then Mel, Mel C just shouted Manic Street Preachers for some strange reason. Um, and then we went into Firestarter and another Michael Jackson song, They Don't Care About Us. This is where um, Jerry calls Michael Jackson. She says, I still think he's sexy, pale but interesting is the words she uses. Oh, God. Yeah, doesn't one of them say something like, he needs to use some of your blusher, or something like that? I, I think. That. Yeah, <laughs> I think Emma Bunton's like, oh, we should use some of your blusher, Jerry, or something like that. And then yeah, this is where... Do you feel it's improvised, or do you think it's all... Because no. Simon Fuller was very much in control of their image at that point, you'd think. Yeah, I don't you? think they would have been trusted to improvise. I think everything's very scripted. Well, to that, this is where Posh Spice told all the children to take their Christmas presents back to the shops. Mm, <laughs> Keep the receipts and date back. It's not as bad as what Jerry says later on, though, is it? <laughs> um, then we had um, Gina G's, who are just a little bit, with some uh, sexy Santa backing dancers, as I've dubbed them. Yeah, the fact these... that this was the UK's Eurovision entry and it's one of the biggest selling songs of the year, that feels very like a thing of the past. Yes. Like, 
I can't imagine that happening now with one of our Eurovision songs. Well, they're also sort of anonymous, all of our Eurovision entries. You know, this was a big, yeah. a big number, and I, I'm surprised it, did, it didn't do very well. I don't think in the in Eurovision, which I'm surprised about because it is a, it's still a, it's still sort of a song that's still known a banger, today. Still a banger is what we're saying. Still a banger. You know, nobody's nobody's singing Love City Groove anymore. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I've got this list up now of the biggest selling songs of the year, and yeah. this was the sixth biggest of wow. the year, which, yeah, that's very good. This is where they're talking about people winning Ivan Novello Awards, mm-hmm. and yeah, Mel B is using the term swing four years after Wayne's World um, yeah. to describe Gary Barlow and Noel Gallagher, but not Damon Albarn. He doesn't get a swing. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why. What does that mean? <laughs> Swing on to didn't swing his way. Um, so this is then May's hits, which includes Cecilia by Suggs, George Michael's Fast Love, and Luke, you just mentioned it, the Tony Rich product, No One Knows, which is the one song that I didn't know. You didn't, I didn't know I... that one? No. It's got the iconic line in it, I'm lying awake, it's a quarter past three, which I think every... Every song should have like a time check in the middle. This is now where, yeah, Jerry got the request to keep her clothes on. And this is also where we got Mel B's vibrator joke. Oh, <laughs> God. Does someone want to work at Walkers through Mel B's vibrator joke? I feel like Sophie with a comedy degree is the best, <laughs> the best person to walk us through that. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises, some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in Safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Yeah, it's this whole exchange where, yeah, initially Jerry is like, oh, I got a request to keep my clothes on, blah, blah, blah. And then one of them says, oh, Mel B got something electric with batteries not included. And Baby Spice is like, what a Buzz Lightyear, because she's like the innocent oh, one. God, and yeah. Mel B just sort of pulls a face. And says, I think every girl should have one. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that bit. <laughs> Blocked it out. I don't know. I don't know who these bits are for. They seem very confused. The dads. That's a joke the for da- the dads. It's like something blue for the dads. Something yeah. blue for the dads, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and and then this is where we got the first of two performances by the Fugees. I, I don't think this is where they got called the Fudgies. 
Yeah, it's the second one. So even less of an excuse for her to get it wrong because they've already been (laughs) on once. And the way I've written it down as well, that when she introduces them as the fudgies, she says, one of my favourites, the fudgies. And it's like, well, they're clearly not one of your favourites, are they? Um, These two, the two performances from the Fugees, they weren't in the same studio, were they? But they seem to be taped specifically for this rather than occasionally we would get. Lauren Hill had Merry Christmas in the track she was singing, Mm. didn't she? She said at the end. But they perform live. They Mm. were definitely live with a band. (laughs) Lauren Hill on lyrics. I mean, I don't know what our long lasting memories of the Fugees were. But I thought they, I thought they did well here, because these were perform live. They stuck out for the right reasons for that. But I think "Ready or Not" is a is is a bit of an awkward sounding song, and it didn't quite fit with the rest of it. Like "Killing Me Softly" is a seventies record that they rebranded in the nineties and still still feels contemporary enough. But I I did like how. I think they must have they must have said we're going to do this and we're going to do it live because it just made everything that came after kind of pointless really for me. Mhm. Yeah, according to this list I've got up, apparently Killing Me Softly was the number one song of the year. What was the second one? It must've been back in anger or something like that. Wanna be. Oh, of course. Well, the Spice Girls big that year. <laughs> okay, so next up, we were talking about Euro '96, obviously. Mm. Um, someone used the word "four" a lot to describe the football. Ge- it's always Jerry. If it's, yeah, it's <laughs> always Jerry. Um, and then they were picking on Gareth Southgate because he uh, lost the penalty, I believe. I mean, me and Luke, obviously, the massive football yeah. fans that we are. Yeah. We had three lions here. Um, Mysterious girl mm-hmm, and mine. the Celine Dion track because you loved me. Yeah, still works as a song. And this is where we came then to uh, Robbie Williams' first link. The, I, I described it as a bit of Robbie Williams. This was the sort of the year where he'd, he'd left Take That. Everyone saw him with his dyed blonde hair and he was picking fights with Liam Gallagher at Glastonbury. That was sort of the Robbie era we were in. But why did it? Because I thought he had he wasn't going to perform Freedom, and then he did anyway. So yeah, because he I, says that, doesn't he? He says something like, "Oh, I thought I was invited here to perform my song, but I'm in, introducing the Spice Girls instead." And but then he does perform the Spice song Girls. anyway. Some he, some he manager says, somewhere yes, went, "Can you fit me in?" So this was um, what the the line you mentioned, Sophie, about the wanting to kiss all the Spice Girls. And then he introduced them as the kissless Spice Girls because he wasn't allowed to kiss them. Um, I think despite the content, though, I think he delivered his link not too badly. I think he kind of showed the Spice Girls up a little bit because I think he just had a bit more, like, I don't know, emphasising the right words. He's got charisma as well, even there, when he's sort of young. And he's... And this is, I suppose, someone who's come out the other side of being in this very manufactured group isn't it he's got as as he would say he's got the freedom now mm, yeah. uh, to to sort of have that personality that the spice girls don't hear 
and maybe but doesn't he say something do. later about how they've um they've taken the crown of yeah. take that or something which i didn't really properly. see at the time because i think take that was a little bit sort of before my time yeah um so i didn't really know like about that but that kind of makes sense take yeah. that something like that yeah, 92 um, to 92. you'll see him next year on top of the box 92 <laughs> <laughs> uh so where were we then so we had wannabe and then there was mention of uh this was the mark morrison link where he mentioned yeah. tim henman and gaza and then <laughs> weird, 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 and then weird. we went and then we went into uh gary barlow's uh hit uh, that is such a love. dull record. Such a dull record that is. The performance was a bit um Elton, I thought. Yeah, like, very much so. The way I think he thought he was Elton it. when he left Take That. He's like, right, I'm going to be the new Elton now. Yeah, that was his um, sacrifice, wasn't it? But it, it was very dull, wasn't it? Just him at the <laughs> piano. It just, yeah. And then we went on to Born Slippy and uh, Don't Stop Moving by... um. Living Joy. She was performing live as well, the uh, the, the Living Joy uh, lady, and really struggling because it's quite a high octane record <laughs> that she had to move about with as well. It made me smile. So this is the this is now where the Spice Girls introduce Robbie, and this is the bit where they all sort of do their bits about him. So Mel B <laughs> says he's a free spirit just like me. And uh, Emma's like, oh, I'm going to take him home. My mum would love him and things like that. Do you think, Sophie, <laughs> um, obviously we were watching this with reviewing eyes, but most people wouldn't have been that bothered by any of this. these links. They would probably have been listening to what the Spice Girls were saying. They would just like seeing the Spice Girls on TV while they were having their Christmas dinner or whatever time it was on. Yeah, it's just kind of background noise, isn't it? Top of the pops. I don't think you really tune into it and like, you know, sit right in front of the TV to listen to every word. I think it just probably flew over most people's heads, really. Yeah, because it'd be on like about one or two, one or two o'clock, so you'd probably have just had your dinner and be opening some of your presents, maybe, and or playing with your presents. Playing with, yeah. I don't know what I played with in '96. No memory. Let's either. not go into that any further. No. That felt like that felt like a that felt like a Spice Girls link, didn't it? Didn't mean to. I can see how it's done now, though. It's like unintentionally. So then Robbie did Freedom. Did he sing it yeah. live, Luke? Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, then uh, the news from August was Oasis uh, playing Nebworth and also refused the the Wonderwall thing that you mm. talked about earlier, yeah, Sophie. Smurfs. Yeah, I can't and remember how... who was doing this bit, but I had to rewind this bit like three times because I couldn't figure out a word they were saying. This was the Spice Girls. But I can't remember it's which weird. one of them it was, was because it was like I I got the word Nebworth and I was like, what are you saying? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it was. I want to say one of it was Mel B was one of them. I haven't written down, unfortunately, which Spice Girls do. Yeah. <laughs> and how's this for, as you said, Luke, an eclectic mix of yeah. uh, Mac Macarena, Good Enough, and How Bizarre? That's yeah. that's <laughs> the summer of '96 summed up for you. In yeah. Two songs. I want to yeah. see more of that live Macarena performance with the two old men. I've never seen yeah. that song performed live before. Oh, Sophie, you well, have 2024, when we get to yeah. 1996 on BBC yeah. 4. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it always strikes me as funny 
how old they were, and they had this because it was a it was a hit in Spain, and then it was a dance remix across Europe that made them famous again with it. But they seem to be having the most fun of anyone on that stage. Just yes, we can't believe we're here either doing this song. It's Did they sing fun. live? No, Los Del Rio. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, right, I don't then. think anyone really cares with that song. No. It's not like, oh, you need yeah. to, you really need to hear them live. Yes, let's, that ruins the dance if we can't hear it live. So we then had uh, the uh, New Year's resolutions for the Spice Girls. Mm. Mel B wants her hair bigger than Diana Ross's. Uh, Achievable. Emma wants to be rough and tough. And. Victoria uh, is going to learn how to surf the internet, which was a really strange line. I thought that was quite... Because when were you first online? Can you even remember when you were first online, Seb? You were four, so you wouldn't have been... My point is... You should ask me, because we're the same age. I know, but when were you first online? And I don't think we had the internet till about sort of 2000. You know, I would use it at school and stuff, and... I knew people who had it at home, but I don't think we properly had it until like ninety nine, two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we didn't either. And I, I, so I think at the end of ninety six to be talking about surfing the internet mm. is quite forward thinking, really. And it just surprised me it came from Victoria, who said very little of worth throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, she's and an early is... adopter. Yeah, mm. and then this is the uh, the famous footies line, which we've we've walked yeah. a couple of times already, uh, to go into ready or not. And then we had uh, some news about September, about Pulp winning the Mercury Music Prize, mm. uh, Frankie Dettori doing a lot of racing, uh, mm. and this is where we went from breakfast at Tiffany's to <laughs> the Smurfs, and um, yeah. their their remix of um, "I Want to Be a Hippie," I believe, was "I've Got a Little Puppy." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what now, she's laughing, but she's plotting another podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to this album. I'm intrigued. Um, on Spotify. And then the the final song in this led into uh, Robbie Williams' next link, uh, mm. which where he says Peter Andre there insisting that we all taste his flavour. Yeah, yeah, awkward. And there are women all sort of crowded around him, mm. like by his crotch, which I thought was a bit odd. Is this Robbie? Mm. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, very weird. And the other thing I would say is, I know the show is probably recorded in different places or at different times and there's clips and stuff, but I would say when the Spice Girls go on stage and mime their way through the three tracks they do, the energy's non-existent. They don't show the audience. I don't know whether they weren't there, but they don't show them getting excited about Wannabe or Say You'll Be There. It's just they've got all this energy... As, as sort of hosts, but then when they perform it, it I don't feel that. I think maybe because the they've done it so many times, it's just like away we go again. Whether as mm. you know, they haven't, I don't know what, but they probably haven't done a lot of sort of hosting gigs, so they've probably got that enthusiasm for that, mm. maybe. And this yeah. is also, as you mentioned, Sophie, the bit where Robbie Williams says that Spice Girls are wearing Take That's Crown and wearing it properly, um, mm. and then goes into. The best Spice Girls song, Say You'll Be There. Oh, that's a separate podcast in itself. <laughs> Gina G was doing the link into October songs. That was weird because I didn't Yeah, didn't she start her. by saying something like, nice one, Spices? <laughs> and that was yeah. awkward. Oh. We had here Boyzone again with words. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's all coming back to me now by Celine. So Celine Dion as well was another one yeah. who we heard. Uh, this, um, this clip of the music video for Coming Back to Me Now intrigued me. So I went and watched the whole video and it's so... It's like, it's like seven the most minutes long, isn't it? It's like right? the most dramatic music video I've, I've ever seen. She's like in a mansion oh. and her boyfriend has died in a motorbike crash and she keeps seeing him around the house. It was good. So it's like mem- <laughs> mem- memories of being with him. Is that what the song's about then? It's all coming back to me now when you touch yeah. me like this. But because I always thought it was kind of like rekindling a relationship, that song. But it seems mm. like my boyfriend is dead and now the memories <laughs> are coming back to me and I'm seeing his ghost on a motorbike around my massive oh, house. Wow. This is where I don't know who it was that said Santa doesn't exist. It was Jerry. Jerry. Um, but then someone yeah. said he does exist, and Posh said yes because I sat on his knee and played with his beard. And this is uh, "You're Gorgeous" by Baby Birds. Any thoughts on this song? Yeah, yeah I enjoyed I... this. Hadn't yeah, heard this. I enjoyed it too. I hadn't heard it for a long time, and I thought it. I thought this was a song that could come out now. It just felt quite with it, like something like "Breakfast at Tiffany's" is iconically '90s and could only exist in that period, whereas. You said my clothes were sexy. You paid me twenty pounds. But this, know, this is simple. he's singing it as if he was a woman, isn't it? It's like gender That's reversed. That's what I've That's... always thought. Yeah. yeah. Is that the, is that true? I think so. That's what I heard about it anyway. Because okay. he says something about like you open my legs or something, doesn't mm. he? So, so he's, I thought, I he's thought talking as if he's almost like a, a like a female model sort of thing. Hmm. Because there was something about an ice cube and stuff as well, isn't there? You put an ice cube on my chest, smack me till it hurts. There you go, you see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to make you sing eventually. Yeah. (laughs) It just comes naturally. Christmas number one. Yeah. Take that, Ed Sheeran. (laughs) And Elton. Cover of your gorgeous. Um, and we have then the last medley of November songs. All I've written here is someone called Terry Venables, Terry Vegetables. I think that was the Mel C. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah, comedy. Now, this was the year after Robson and Jerome were massive, wasn't it? Cause yeah. that 95? Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah. they had a song here, What Becomes of the Broken Hearted, Robson and Jerome. Yeah. Um, we also had Breathe by the Prodigy and uh, one of my favourite 96 songs, E17 and Gabrielle singing it. Uh, oh, if... thank you. <laughs> what a song. Hey, don't make that, them like that anymore. That's one you need to check out, Sophie. Yes, you do. Great, great 90s duet between Gabrielle and E17. By, by all means, do the Smurfs, get that out of your system. <laughs> but when you've done that... Find that record from E17 and Gabrielle. And then we had uh, Robbie for one last time telling us to check on our turkey to see if it had exploded. Um, and plugging Top of the Pops coming back with an A to Z of 1996. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, It's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. 
and we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. And then that is Christmas number one, which Luke actually couldn't remember, could he? Then it was two become one. I didn't realise two become one. I know it's quintessentially a Christmas song, but I didn't realise it was a Christmas number one. Do you think that anything like the Spice Girls could could happen now? I just think we're so far away from that. We no. I feel like the country was was. I uh, think we obviously had. The sort of the, the X Factor groups, you know, I think that's possible. Like your little mixes and your One Directions, mm. they were possibly the last sort of burst of that, you know, where all these people who had auditioned as as soloists had come put together on the show and then went on to have quite a big success. Mm, I just think we're it's a whole different era. But this just made me really nostalgic. I mean, it, I was quite depressed after finishing this. <laughs> Well, you can find Sophie on the website, thecustardtv.com, where she contributes regularly. Uh, anywhere else you would like uh, people to see you or listen to you when you launch your I think she podcast. might do the S Club 7 podcast, I don't well, know. Yeah, well, I was, well, we haven't really referenced it. I wanted to give you the opportunity <laughs> to bring it up to people. Uh, people, yeah, people can just find me on Twitter um, at it's Sophie Davis, and then yeah, the, the S Club Seven podcast is it's an S Pod thing, um, and there's also a Julia Davis podcast called mm. Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket. So just quickly, we'll have a quick look at what's on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day, Luke, and you can chip in if if you've got anything to say about these lineups. So. Uh, Christmas Eve on BBC One, we've got a new Shaun the Sheep film. Uh, we've got The Repair Shop at Christmas. Uh, we've got EastEnders, Top Gear. Uh, Luke's favourite, I'm sure, will be watching I Can See Your Voice at Christmas. And then the uh, 1996 Vicar of Dibley Christmas mm. special. Any thoughts there, Luke, at all? None, except I didn't think I, I Can See Your Voice was sort of a big hit, but maybe it passed me by that it was. But you've got double Paddy McGuinness there, Top Gear, and I can see your voice. Yeah, that was what I need, double padding from the BBC. <laughs> the, the sort of standout on BBC Two is the uh, ghost story for Christmas, the Mezzotint. Uh, that's Mark Gatiss's latest one. Any thoughts on that, Luke, at all? I have never watched any of those, I'll be honest. Mm. Didn't they used to be on BBC Four? They for, did. For a while, and yeah. now they've made the leap. No, I haven't really watched it, but I know... See, I haven't had the tradition of watching ghost stories at Christmas, mm. but a lot of people do. We've got on ITV, I mean, you've got the soaps, their big show on at nine is the uh, Bradley and Barney Walsh breaking Dad at Christmas. And interestingly, they're putting on the Spitting Image Christmas special from Britbox. Britbox is a good service because of what it has on there, but their originals should stay there because you think that they'd be plugging it a lot and people should sign up for BritBox for it and for all the Christmas specials. So to just stick it on ITV kind of takes away from that a little bit, I think. So on Channel 4, we've got um really odd called The Greatest Snowman, which <sighs> is <laughs> Sue Perkins hosting the uh, Celebrity Ice Sculpting Competition. 
featuring the likes of Johnny Vegas, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, uh, Liam Charles off of the Bake Off, and Danny Dyer's daughter, Danny Dyer. They will make a program about just about anything. And I, I, and whilst I do think, with it being Channel 4, it will wink at how awful it is, and they'll have a good time mocking the format. But I just keep thinking back to a program we saw earlier on in the year about Johnny Vegas, and he said how unfulfilled he was with his current work prospects and what mm. he's being offered and then you see him pop up on this show where they competitively make and and snowmen. this is an hour and a half long as well you're joking no. i didn't pick up on that <laughs> oh well then it doesn't deserve to be eight till nine thirty and then channel five have got the world's most expensive christmas cruise and then and all great creatures great and small christmas special which is Quite well liked by a lot of yeah, people, it's isn't well it? Received. It's like their big hit, so good on them for sticking it, giving it a Christmas special, and sticking it in the right place at the right time. They know they can't compete with the main channels on Christmas Day, so put your big show on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Day on uh, BBC One is what we sort of come to expect every year, really. Uh, Strictly has got uh, new stars taking to the ballroom, which I quite like because they tend to bring back people who've done it before. But this year they've got um, Mel Gidroit, they've got Jay Blades from Off of the Repair Shop, they've got Fred from First Dates, Moira Stewart is doing it, and uh, Adrian Childs. And, and then we've got a game show double bill of uh, The Wheel and Blankety Blank. And then we go into the, the standards of Call the Midwife, EastEnders and Mrs. Brown. ITV, we've got, um, I hope you like Bradley Walsh at Christmas because he's also on ITV. Because the, the big thing this year is the Larkins at Christmas. I watched some of the Larkins and didn't mind it. I thought it was a good sort of Sunday night, bit of nostalgia. And I think it fits in really at Christmas. We always say that ITV should try putting a drama on that nine o'clock mm. slot. Uh, to compete against... Here's uh, a question. You are against my will reading these from the Radio Times. Mm. Does it, in any of the blurb, tell you that you can watch it the morning of? Not as far as I know, but they might have that somewhere rather than have it in every blurb. Yeah, that was the discussion we had, was the ITV Hub are doing this thing where you can watch all their Oh, here you go. As for, as for modern comedy with the classic, so this is in the streaming now bit. Tonight's episode of The Larkins can, like much of ITV's evening lineup, be streamed from 7 a.m. on ITV Hub. Okay. So they have mentioned it. And they've also got earlier on in the evening, they've got uh, Paul O'Grady Christmas special for the Love Dogs and the Mass Sing Along, which I'm not sure, like a Mass Singer. I don't know if they're bringing people back in the masks. You've I done have it no before. idea what that is. What I might do is get up at seven and... Yeah, do that, do that. And actually, Channel 4's lineup. they've got a uh, animation of a Terry Pratchett story, uh, The Abominable Snow Baby, followed by a Christmas Bake Off, which is the stars of It's a Stin, mm-hmm. uh, doing it, and then uh, the uh, Gogglebox Best of the Year. So actually, that's a pretty good lineup. <laughs> And uh, on Channel 5, we've got Britain's favourite 80s songs, followed by Britain's favourite party songs. Boxing Day, three dramas on BBC One. Around the World in 80 Days, the new adaptation starring David Tennant. You've got a double bill. That's then going to be on some days after. The first ever Christmas special of Death in Paradise, which I'm surprised that they've never done before. But again, 
you know, we always say it, it'd be good to have some Christmas specials of some of the dramas. So, you know, we we don't watch it, but it's yeah. applaud BBC for doing it. And uh, a very British scandal, which is uh, Sarah Phelps's new drama featuring uh, Claire Foy and Paul Bettany playing the Duke and Duchess of Argyle. Um, and it's their uh, divorce case, I believe, and, I and all the scandals around that. This, I know nothing about the story, but I knew nothing about Jeremy Thorpe either. And mm. I found the, the first one really interesting. Same team, Sarah Phelps this time rather than Russell T. Davis, but certainly one I'd be looking forward to. And interesting that they're putting it in over three nights at Christmas. BBC Two uh, will be looking forward to Morton and Whitehouse Gone Christmas Fishing, which mm. is an hour long at nine o'clock. ITV has got more uh, specials of their game shows. All-Star Musicals at Christmas, which sees the lights of Fern Britain, Giles Brandreth, uh, Anita Rani and Ben Miller take to the stage to perform classic musical hits. One of those doesn't belong and it's Ben Miller. I mean, <laughs> quite how they convinced him to do it. But they had the last one. They had Robert Peston. So there you go. And uh, Billy Connolly documentary, My Absolute Pleasure, which is um, him welcoming viewers to his newly adopted home in the Florida Keys and looking back at his uh, 50 years in comedy. On Channel 4, we have got something called All I Wanted for Christmas, which is one of those nostalgia look back. What toys did I get for Christmas? And then we've got the standard uh, Big Fat Quiz of the Year. And as Luke uh, loves me going to Channel 5, it's mainly films on Boxing Day. We've got uh, Sister Act. And then um, obviously... your favourites? I love a bit of Sister Act. World's Strongest Man. That's always been a Christmas staple. I know. I've never quite understood why. Um, and then uh, Dirty Dancing is, is the big film at 8 o'clock. So there you go. Yeah, I don't understand... I don't understand putting that sort of thing on, really. Just don't understand just... Channel 5. <laughs> no, not really. We'll leave it at that. I don't need to go into deep analysis. So now we are joined by Dawn, who, when we put the call out for people to suggest their favourite Christmas special to talk about, Dawn very kindly came to us and said, Can I talk to you about dinner, ladies, please? And we yes. said yes. And Dawn is from the Shipyard podcast. Can you tell us a bit about that? For but you know, this is a great TV podcast. We know this. People love it. I get fan mail and stuff. But if they want a break from me, hate mail, isn't it? Yeah, normally mail's mail. But if they've got room for um, another podcast in their life, where can they find you? What can you tell us about it? We are the Shipyard UST is where you can find us on all social media. We're on Spotify and YouTube. Myself and my friend Lucy, we are a podcast dedicated to will they want the TV ship slow burn, you know, starting with Moonlighting and uh, Debsey Meat Peace, all the classic 80s, all the way through to now and Lucifer and I'm currently obsessed with Roman and Jerry on Succession. <laughs> that is definitely a should they. Rather than a will they, weren't they? <laughs> In your opinion, then, what is the worst example of that? I don't know if you, you've heard of the term, the moonlighting curse. TV shows will put off getting two characters together as long as humanly possible because they have this idea that if you get them together, people stop watching and the show fails or, you know, the ship fails. But the moonlighting curse is so much more complicated than that. There was a lot of reasons why moonlighting... Maddie and David get together and then immediately the TV show dive bomb. But there was a lot of reasons for that. So we are kind of 
advocating saying no it doesn't have to be like that please get people together <laughs> my first instinct is Daphne and Niles and I, don't I was going to say the same them. thing it just ruined yes. it as soon as they were together it just ruined it and that was the, the best example of a ruining of a relationship because actually when they were together those characters had very little chemistry it was just nice seeing them sort of dance around each other but when they were a married couple it just lost all of its spark I think they had the same problem actually that Moonlighting had, which is that the lead actress got pregnant very quickly afterwards. And so they had to write that in, and then it's disastrous. I, I, I don't know if you remember that Daphne was written to become bizarrely fat because happy and in love, and that was how they covered up the pregnancy, which was just mm. horrific. <laughs> yes. A lot of it is how you deal with it. I mean, not going out. I think has dealt with it brilliantly because they've just completely changed it into a domestic sitcom instead of being a will they won't they sitcom and that's done well but I think ideally you want to save it to sort of like about a season before the end so you have a season of all the mushy niceness and then you go that's it I've seen on your podcast as well you've done quite a bit about car share haven't you and and Luke you your feelings on that did you like them getting together at the end I can't remember I just thought it was nice you very rarely see a male and female friendship like you did in Carshare. I just thought that felt so organic and it comes from Peter Kay and Sean Gibson being friends since college and it just felt nice to have a friendship between these, this man and this woman. They work together. But I didn't enjoy the way it became a will they, won't they. I thought it was unnecessary. I just felt it was just not... The the joy of car share was watching them enjoy each other's company, be daft and sing along to the songs on the radio. That was the joy. I just liked the idea of them being friends and it just seemed to cheapen it slightly by making it romantic for me. I think it's it's a perfect love story. I I think it's one of the most realistic depictions of especially of a middle-aged well not quite middle-aged but you know what I mean late 30s almost 40 years mm. of that same kind of feeling where two people who have been hurt in the past for various reasons and just are afraid to let go and they're stuck in this rut of an everyday life and, and you know that's the, the perfect idea that it's a supermarket it's just a kind of dull living you know and then they meet this other person who somehow just sparks something magical in them makes them come alive in a way they haven't been either at all or for a very long time. And I think there's a lot of very subtle little clues of how they change each other in that, you know, um, John's character and his uh, secret life as a, a, a rock star, you know, she yeah. brings them out of him. And I think that it's showing that inside he's this romantic hero and, and obviously that's how he sees himself in the video fantasy scene. He's this, and he's wanted to be this, but he never had the confidence, and Kaylee brings that out of them. So, yeah, you'll never stop me waxing lyrical. Okay, I'm wrong. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of... And finally, I want to talk to you, and and we're here to talk about Christmas. Happy Christmas, everyone. But one more, because it's always niggled at me as well, because I think this is done by fans and that the writers have latched on to, which is even Villanelle. Mm, That's what I was thinking you were going to say as well. That is a tricky one, because... You get into the topic of queer baiting, you know. It's the same as with Sherlock, I think. They wrote more of those sort of ambiguous scenes 
Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. To appeal that to the audience, but without ever actually making the characters gay, that gets into a tricky field of whether you're playing the audience and just using them. Well, I mean, you're always using the audience, but you don't know. what we're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult one. At least in, in um, Killing Eve, Villanelle was shown to be sexually obsessed with Eve from the start. They didn't just suddenly introduce that, but, I mean, it's not going to be a healthy relationship. Fans have latched on to something, and then the writers have gone, oh, we didn't see that, but... We'll go with mm. it and see where it takes us. And it, for me, it doesn't feel... You know, like, thinking about it, the best ones are already baked into the show. Sometimes two characters like Andy and April on Parks and Rec just have great chemistry and that works, but... Or Tim like, and Dawn, Jim and Pam like, on The oh, Office. Oh, one more. Who did it better, Dawn? <laughs> who, who did oh. it better, the UK office or the US office? I'm going to have to say the US office only because I preferred the drawn out version <laughs> I, I, I am used to British TV and that it's everything happens within 12 episodes generally and I do like that I did like the way the US dragged out a bit more so you got in touch about dinner ladies and oddly when you said this it hadn't occurred to me that they'd even had a Christmas special because you think of the big tentpole BBC ones the Office in 2003, Only Fools and Horses, One Foot in the Grave, The Royal Family. I was just going to say, Luke, this was the same Christmas as that Royal Family Christmas oh. episode that we talked about last. This was on the 23rd and the 24th, the two episodes, and then obviously the Royal Family was on Christmas Day. Can you walk us through, A, why you chose this specific episode, and also just the basics of it, and then we can talk about it in greater depth? Sure. The second series of Dinner Ladies was done in a, an unusual way in that they showed the episodes throughout the year instead of, you know, weekly. Because the, each episode was themed for a certain point of year, you know, there was one in April, one in June, one in November, and then we had the December one. So at this point in the story, Victoria Wood's central character, Bren, working in a, a factory canteen, she has an almost relationship with her boss, Tony, 
but Bren is a very unlucky in life, not just unlucky in love. They were going to go on holiday together in the summer as a group, and then it fell through because of her mother, played by Julie Walters, of course. So we're at Christmas. In the episode before, in Gamble, they finally kiss for the very first time in front of the Christmas tree, and as happens in all TV shows, especially when they're the ship, they're interrupted by Bren's ex-husband, who nobody knew existed, Martin, although she's not actually divorced from him, she's almost separated. And the episode Christmas deals with the resolution of that, and it's Christmas Eve, and we discover it's actually Brian's birthday, which has been a secret. It all unfolds. She thinks Tony doesn't actually want to be with her because of uh, she doesn't believe she's worthy of love, and he surprises her with a wonderful surprise at the end of the episode and gives her a, a performance by the Black Dykes Brass Band, and happily ever after. <laughs> what stands out to you? What made you choose this when we put our little SOS out? I, I think one of the things is, and I, I know this is true for most British Christmas specials, is that um, American ones seem to always be slightly outside of canon, where you're like, something slightly magical happened. You know, oh, was that really Santa? That kind of thing. This is so grounded in reality, and the magic comes completely from being surrounded by people who love her and show the love. It also has some of the funniest pieces in it. Uh, a guest appearance by Jeanette Cranky, which She's is brilliant. A, it's a very brief, I don't know how long the scene is, maybe two minutes, but her and Julie Walters just steal the show in, in that one scene. And um, Bernard Wrigley, who occasionally appears in the episode as just a worker Bob, He's in this episode a lot, and he is—it's just—he has the best lines in the whole thing. There's an entire sequence about bacon. Is there no bacon? Bacon. Yeah, bacon. Can you ask me that again? Have you not got any bacon? Have I not got any, or have I got any? Look, I'm not from the news of the bloody world. <laughs> I'm only trying to get myself a bit of pig in protein. Bren, for the love of God, have you got any bacon? Can you hang on? I'm just doing it now. Where's Jean, Dolly? Still in the toilet. Yeah, it's taking a long time. She's wearing a new all-in-one body shape. It's a complicated gusset when you won't wear specs. <laughs> I'm sure it's very alluring in the bedroom, but you can't be fiddling with your crutch when there's a queue building. Don't look at me. i got both hands on the tray. <laughs> You got your underwear sorted then, Jean? Hey. What took the time, press studs? Have you been telling him about my body shape? Yes. Shall I just strip off now and walk round in it? Would that help? Not if it's going to hold up the bacon. You know, you were asking about bacon. Yeah. Well, we haven't got any at the moment, but Bren's just doing some. What are you on? A two-minute delay? told me that the thing is about dinner ladies and i was fortunate enough to meet victoria and julie walters you met didn't you yeah i met them together uh, at an awards do that i attended and we spoke very briefly about dinner ladies and i said would you ever do it and it would you ever go back into sitcom again and she sort of she told me that the way she decided to do it was just so exhausting and so demanding of her time and that also 
as Matt mentioned just then, it, it came out around the same time as the Royal Family on the BBC. Carolina Her and Craig Cash's very stripped back, almost I, non-sitcom comedy. I remember um, her. Sorry, Luke. I just say I remember her saying it was on a documentary. I think mm. about the Royal Family that she'd done this, and then the, I think they came out very much at the same time. And she yeah. saw the Royal Family and thought, "Oh, this looks so old-fashioned now." Dinner Ladies does. As compared yeah, to that. That's what she said to me is what it, it it felt really dated and she has fond memories of it but it was very it was a very stressful time. It does feel old fashioned, but I think it feels old fashioned in the best possible way. It feels quaint, it feels quintessentially British. But it's Victoria Woods scripts, the way those lines are delivered, the the dialogue which is quite on the nose and isn't quite as sedate as you would imagine, even though the setting is and that relationship, not between Ren and Tony, but between everybody in the canteen, is just so cleverly done and well played by everybody on that set that I just think it's a little gem that I'm glad we get to talk about because nobody really does look back fondly on Dinner Ladies. And, and do you have a, a sense of why that is, Dawn? It's a shame. It, it may have fallen between two time frames in that it was a bit too late for the traditional sitcom and, and it, it was in the middle of the, the sort of uh, documentary style. But if it had possibly been a few years later, when you think about Miranda, which is very much the same kind of homage to the traditional sitcom, stage sitcom with the, the you know, the audience laughter and the awareness that you're a stage sitcom, mm. it would have been more well-received. I do remember at the time that it wasn't, it wasn't hugely well People do now look back on it and, and see it was perfectly written. I wonder if maybe if they'd filmed it in a different style, if it'd been filmed in a more current style, that then it would have been seen differently. I don't know. If it or, was... or I was thinking if they didn't have the audience there, would it feel yeah. as dated? Because, you know, you obviously talking about car share before, Phoenix Nights was very old-fashioned, but because it didn't have the laugh track, do you yeah. know what I mean? It, it doesn't seem as dated the peter k stuff you know it still is gag 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 but because you haven't got like a a live studio audience or a laugh track it doesn't feel as dated as, as some of those other shows yeah. what were your highlights matt as you both mentioned the the dialogue and i think you mentioned you know we've mentioned it it's dated but i think the dialogue is still very evergreen we've got this very tender going back to the, the the relationship this very tender loving you know the chemistry is very much there between what's the andrew dunn andrew is the dunn. name of the actor yeah. and and victoria woods you know we were talking about car share before it could it what it did start out as that male female friendship but i think people were wanting them to get together and i think probably victoria would had that in the back of her mind i i, I think she probably pre-planned a lot of this where I, where I want to take it where I want to end it is and I think it's perfectly plotted you know you've got these insecurities of the character every every time she sees something going a little bit wrong she panics and thinks oh he doesn't like me anymore he doesn't like me anymore I love the relationship as well between her and, and Stan I think that's absolutely brilliant he's like her confidant in a way isn't he he's the Almost other you a father know. figure Really, mm. in a way. Because, yeah. 
and and they got the the very much the surrogate family, haven't they? You know, this is the classic workplace surrogate family, and there's that brilliant scene where, as you mentioned, Julie Walters and and Jeanette Cranky come in, and Julie Walters starts in her very sort of extravagant style and and dropping all these celebrity names that she knows, and everything about it is just brilliant. And I I think even though we mentioned dated, I think it still stands up and, and I found it, you know, watching it again after I don't know how many years, very moving, very funny, the perfect happy ending where they're all watching this brass band and, and she's getting all these presents. and They drop a lot of clues about friends past that they haven't done. I mean, obviously you can get a general idea that her mother was and always awful and that she had not really raised her. But she just says all these little extra things about, you know, the fact that she grew up in a children's home and she'd never had an extra sketch and just little, little, little lines that, you know, there isn't a big exposition about why she's so insecure and why she doesn't believe Tony could be interested in her. But it's just little lines and I think that's perfect writing by, by Victoria Wood. And you say, you know, that it wasn't relevant to the time, but I think the disco monks are very much something that could have been around in 1998. I think we were a little bit obsessed with, like, that choral music and and those, those sort of novelty albums were, were very much of, of the sort of late 90s. And even the Ben Elton, Elton John joke, because she says it's John Elton because they put it the other way in HMV. You've really got to be on your toes because it is so gag-heavy, but it manages to do it in a way that it just natural coming from the characters it's a real skill and she just nails it so much and they're all so likeable do you think it it handles christmas well as you're saying you'll find family they've created this family and they i think in this episode they more than any other they show their love for each other and their love for brain because brain is always the central character not just as this the sitcom but in your life everybody comes to her with problems and she's always put upon and just does it. And in this one, she gets back to her. She feels how much everybody loves her. She's, you know, materially and uh, emotionally. No other sitcom I've seen captures that workplace Christmas feel of that. Mm. You're about to come off. You're going to have your Christmas lunch. You're doing your secret Santa. I, I don't know. There's also, there's sort of an, oh, that's a, a sound like I'm being poncy if I say an ennui. <laughs> the end of the <laughs> <laughs> you know no, that sort yeah. without the work they don't have each other and it's that strange feeling of are we friends outside of work and and this really shows that they are a family they do they do love each other it's warm but it never feels soppy or like a clinton's card inside it just manages to feel warm and and charming you just believe in them and you want them to succeed and it's just nice it's going to stick with me now but I can't believe it's not one that I've gone back to over the years. I uh, I think the scene where um, Bob and Jane come in to sing at Jingle Bells and they're collecting money for the, the boss hiring. But when they come in, they say, We're doing requests! Oh, what a brilliant idea! What are you talking about? Uh, we're saving up to send a poor little lad to Disneyland. Oh, is he poorly? No, he just wants to go. <laughs> You know, there is a yeah. warmth, but it cuts through it, so it's never mm. too cloying. Uh, and the relationship, it it doesn't 
go it's a big thing throughout the series but after that it's sort of not mentioned a lot the series doesn't hinge upon it from what i can remember dawn yeah that's right and i, I that is the, the secret to doing these i think you have to have something else to focus on when you've taken away that well they won't and and because this has the most incredible ensemble cast and there's, there's four other episodes of the show and the focus does move on to other characters like uh, Sarita, Jean and Stan and it gives them more of a it makes sure every character has their ending which is, is, is very well done I think shows just I don't, you remember Just Good Friends in the 80s mm. that only about a couple and once you've got them together there's nothing else to do at all you can't carry that on so you have to have something else and and with, with victoria wood i mean she doesn't need a plot because she can just write hours on minutiae of, of life but um she made sure that there was plenty other life in the stories and you know because there's a, a whole story about bren and her mother still which goes on for the, mm. for the episode and so there's plenty still to to dig into well thank you so much for bringing it to our attention dawn i think it was when i first saw it i said oh didn't the ladies have a and then and then you're watching it going of course it is i remember this this is lovely and really funny and sometimes on the podcast things feel like homework and this was a joy so thank you for that uh, and, and, and again just remind people where they can find you you can find us at uh, the Shipyard UST, the Lakers UST, uh, on uh, Twitter and um, YouTube and Spotify. We can we do pajama party episodes, which are like these. Uh, we just talk through an episode of something, uh, but we also do our video episodes on YouTube, where we'll discuss a more rounded topic, generally speaking. And um, yeah, Lucy's doing a master's degree, so it's all homework for her. Wow. <laughs> so. I <laughs> She's doing a master's in will they, weren't they? <laughs> in media and communication, a little bit of a broader. Focus. Well, yeah, well, yeah. It's been a delight to talk to you. And a Merry Christmas to you as well. And Merry Christmas to you both. <laughs> So next up, we talk to Alex and Rob from the Wolford Weekly Podcast. What they don't know about EastEnders isn't worth knowing. Honestly, they know it inside and out. They've been covering it on their podcast religiously for ages, and it was a pleasure to have them on to talk about the importance of soap at Christmas. Not the sort you buy your nan, the sort on television. Christmas, you've had your lunch or your dinner. What do you call it, guys? Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner? I, I'm very much Christmas dinner, although we have it at one. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever had a Christmas dinner. I, I had it at lunch in my life. It tends to be like the evening meal. 
Oh, really? It's always yeah, it's lunchtime Christmas. in this house. No, I don't think we've ever had it at lunchtime. Lunchtime, oh, I'm really? busy consuming, like, sausage rolls and I mean, yeah. any, anything else. Anything else except <laughs> the actual turkey. Well, I've done my job. I haven't even had turkey for years. So, yeah, no, around di- dinner time, we tend to have it, yeah. These are the guys, by the way, and this is me doing a terrible intro. From the Warford <laughs> Weekly Podcast, we have Alex and we have Rob. Hello. 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 Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're more than welcome, and it's a pleasure to have you on. So you've had your Christmas dinner slash lunch, you've seen the film, whatever that may be, and you choose your soap. Do soaps matter at Christmas still? That is the question. And do them being the main thing on BBC One make them more or less special at Christmas? Because the BBC have relied on EastEnders as their main draw at 9 o'clock, apart from the year Gavin and Stacey came back, to, to draw the viewers in. Alex, perhaps you can talk a bit about um, why why you think that they've made it 9 o'clock, because you look at ratings and things. It, does it work? It, it's interesting that you say that you know the BBC using EastEnders as a pool for Christmas. At one time, it very much was the, the show. In fact, they would have like two or... Two episodes on one early evening, which was a bit more of a fluffy episode. When Rob would be having his dinner. When Rob would be having his dinner, yeah. And uh, then one late evening when I would be slumbered on the sofa after drinking too much. And that's when they kind of had the much more hard-hitting episode. Well, they Um, would have a cliffhanger, wouldn't they, between them normally? They would, between the two, and then put a show in the middle of it, which would probably hopefully pull in a big audience as well. Um, yeah, I, I, it's 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 a strange one. They kind of pushed it so late on Christmas Day and on Boxing Day. Also, it's such a late time slot That's for both like those half episodes. Past ten on Boxing Day or something. Yeah, ten o'clock. Mm, absolutely mad. The only thing I'm wondering is if it's if the story is if it's to be presumed correctly that is that it's going to be a very very dark story over Christmas this year. See, now I would argue that Christmas TV as a whole these days. Uh, isn't the big pull that it once was. It, no. remember, when we, remember when we were growing up, the Christmas Day was the big day of TV. It's this, it was the day that all TV schedules built up to. Um, and now you don't tend to get as many people watching it. The Gavin and Stacey uh, programme was proof that people will tune in for big episodes on Christmas Day. It got something ridiculous, like 18 million viewers. The, the like hadn't been seen for years. You know, and EastEnders, I think, has sort of fallen by the wayside, just like a lot of TV stuff has these days. Are soaps still important on Christmas Day? I think so personally, but that's because I'm talking as a soap fan and an EastEnders fan. To me, it's important. Is it important to the masses as much as it used to be? Probably not, unfortunately. Well, Matt and I were talking about, do you think people will, just because it's on at Christmas and there is an element of tradition involved, do you think people, Alex, will watch EastEnders on Christmas just because it's EastEnders at Christmas? Yeah, I think people like the idea of having a, almost like a Christmas special over EastEnders. And if the build-up is done well enough, then there should be a draw for people to want to watch it anyway. I mean, Christmas, New Year and the anniversary tends to be where the big stories end um, and then uh, they move on to like a fresh start again. Um Worryingly, stories don't seem to end at the moment at the times that they should end on EastEnders. Um, I can't speak for other soaps quite so much. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it still gets the buzz, I think, that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a special episode being broadcast on Christmas Day at, at, at a specific time. The problem is, is that also that 
talking about soaps on ITV, they're kind of almost drawing away the buzz by showing the episodes now on the hub before they're actually broadcasting it over Christmas this year, which is it's just is a really peculiar choice to make. Which it I is I, peculiar, but I just feel sorry for the person who's got to navigate the hub on Christmas Day. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> tough enough on a normal day. I was about to say, it's, yeah. it's difficult it's enough. Sort of like Catch-22, do you just wait until it's on, <laughs> you know? Mm. Does your love of soaps come from them being big things at Christmas necessarily? Was it something you always look forward to, the big doff doff at Christmas? Yeah. Back in the day, uh, it always used to be building up towards Christmas Day. You knew that that person was going to be discovered Christmas Day. You knew that affair was going to be discovered. You knew that person was going to die Christmas Day. You know, If you actually lived on Albert Square, you wouldn't leave the house on Christmas Day. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> lock yourself in a room, lock yourself in a cupboard and just wouldn't move and with just like a little selection of peanuts that you could just eat throughout the day and just wouldn't move to a boxing day um, go on but, holiday to midsummer no, but yeah no. you'd probably be safer in midsummer <laughs> than you would in albert square in all honesty I, I, I mean yeah it's I, I i love the eastenders christmas it always feels special to me it's got a big place in my heart there have been so many iconic tv moments through the years because of eastenders christmases i think it's quite interesting that the icv soaps Always sort of used to take a back step on Christmas Day. Coronation Street traditionally would go for a little bit more of a warm and fuzzy feeling on Christmas Day. Mm. Emmerdale, I think, would do something similar. Now, in, in recent years, Coronation Street have started doing big stuff on Christmas Day. I think last year they had they had a mad gunman going around on Christmas Day, which is the first and had, interestingly enough, Corrie's first ever Christmas Day death, I think, last year. I think mm. it was last year. That's never mm. happened before on Coronation Street, whereas EastEnders kill somebody off in the first five minutes on Christmas Day because it's <laughs> Christmas Day. And I think Emmerdale are doing a massive um, fire or something this Christmas Day. Emmerdale are doing something very similar to what's rumoured the BBC are doing uh, for Emmerdale, which is uh, uh, a great, it's, you know, great storyline that's happening with the uh, domestic abuse and I uh, do. serial killer. <laughs> I, 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 I hope <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, Badly. I think Emmerdale are doing uh, something incredibly similar to that. And because I remember reading in the, uh, I still I still get the Radio Times every Christmas as well. That's a tradition. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for supporting <laughs> <Okay>. me. <laughs> I've got mine right next to me yeah, now. Yeah, and that still yes, sticks so in my craw and you know this. Okay. I, I always, I always, I, I, tw I tweeted saying that you can always tell how inflation is when you look at the price of the Radio Times each mm -hmm. year. Um, Five pounds. <laughs> but but um, they 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 they're likening the Emmerdale story uh, to the Stender story um uh, this year. So I think they're doing a very similar, rumored wise anyway. What the Stenders is doing this year. So um yeah, it should be good. I just think it's a shame that they're kind of spoiling it for people by releasing it first thing in the morning on Christmas morning. Would you watch it early if it was on iPlayer early? Oh, see, I mean, probably. But that's just because I know it's there. You know, it's like all the Christmas food on Christmas Day. It, it's it's the torture of going up to Christmas Day, knowing that there's a, there's a massive load of food in the fridge that you're not allowed to touch till Christmas Day. But it's the temptation there. Traditionally, you'd wait till the evening when the show's on. But if it's available to you, you'd, you'd go in the fridge and like take a few little mm -hmm. mouthfuls, wouldn't you? Well, I'd love to lie and say I'm far too busy on Christmas morning, but I'm really not. <laughs> I'd probably, I, to be honest, I'd probably shuffle downstairs and watch it um, early. But then I'd probably watch it again later in the evening, just so yeah. I'm able to tweet something smart on uh, Twitter, on our Twitter account, at Wolford Weekly. Find you could get all your <laughs> tweets ready, couldn't you? You could just write a big list of them. Also, I like the way you shuffle down. Are you, are you a stair shuffler rather than somebody who walks down the stairs in a normal fashion? Well, I have to shuffle because of the cat, because he runs oh. up and down the stairs waiting to get fed. So if I don't shuffle, I'll lose my foot and fall down them. 
That's Don't that at least Spoiler, that is a Christmas, Christmas. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Concussion. the Christmas special. Christmas concussions. Yeah. <laughs> Rob mentioned iconic moments. Have you, I did ask you if you wanted to talk about some of those moments. So Rob hasn't been on the podcast before, Alex has, so we'll give Rob the chance to talk about some of his favourite iconic Christmas EastEnders moments. The one that always sticks out for EastEnders Christmas, everybody knows, everybody watched it, was the Max and Stacey reveal mm. when the uh, when the affair between Max and Stacey was revealed in truly cringeworthy fashion on a uh, on from, by a film. Now, interestingly, we, uh, me and Alex, we do a little section on our podcast uh, called Lou's Suitcase, which where we look back on uh, moments in EastEnders, and we did uh, Stacey and Bradley's wedding, which was the beginning of that of that. Um, There's the genesis of that story where Lauren actually set the camera up in the bedroom, and it was amazing how much video editing would have had to have gone on for her to get that moment. <laughs> how old was she at the time? I mean, twelve, Alex. Would you say a little bit older? I think she was about thirteen, fourteen. Um, I mean, yeah. video editing skills of a thirteen-year-old at the time. Oh, this is sort of, incredible, <laughs> and this is pre-sort of TikTok and and yeah. what have you as well, isn't it? Now, probably the battery life of the camcorder that was left on for nine hours, <laughs> hours, <laughs> hours, <laughs> hours on end. She had a good charger. Well, I'm yeah. well, what I think about that one specifically, and it, it does irritate me a bit because when the EastEnders is at the top of its game, which I would say that oh, is, or that was. It. It, mm. yeah, it just feels it feels genuinely exciting, genuinely unmissable. I remember watching that. I had real butterflies in my stomach as they were all watching the video. It just worked really well. If mm. the Royal Family wasn't the inspiration, I like to think that that was the reason that we got Google. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. And, and they're also, if you, if it kind of led to the 2017 Christmas Day episode where Lauren and Abby fell off the Queen Vic roof because Mac never really did, you know, get his comeuppance from that, did he? Uh, that one does stick out to me. Uh, any more for you, Rob? I mean, Pauline Fowler died on Christmas Day, of course. Uh, to, I think in 2006, that was uh, her, her last episode where she got, oh, she got hit with Alex. It was something, 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 uh, something it was a, on the head. It was a doorstop. It was a door. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, it was a place. frying she, pan, wasn't it? She hit Arthur over the head with a frying pan back in the day when they were having an argument. Mm. And I think when it was revealed <laughs> that she'd been having an affair. Mm. Wasn't it okay. Dirty Den who got hit with the doorstop? Oh, I beg your pardon. You're absolutely right. I'm, yes. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, you're quite right, Matt. It's what a job. It's only you are a job on Wolford Weekly. You think <laughs> you're stuff. It's job. only because I looked this up because it might be a quiz question later on in, in our festive quiz. That's the only <laughs> reason I know it. It is a risk killing people off at Christmas because although EastEnders is known for being incredibly gritty and sometimes bleak... Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. 
Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Killing somebody off at Christmas is a tricky thing to do. I think it's, is it mainly New Year's? Those are the ones that stick with me more. Tiff died at New Year, didn't she? Yeah. Dennis and Ronnie and Kevin. Ronnie and Roxy. Oh, don't don't get me started on (laughs) Roxy. It's triggering still. I feel like we accidentally pushed a button there. Oh, just don't. I could rant for hours about Ronnie and Roxy's death. You believe that you can bring back Ronnie from the dead? Oh, God, yeah. I've got a whole storyline planned. As soon as the BBC realises my potential and my talent and lets me into the BBC, into the writer's room, Ronnie and Roxy are coming back. Don't worry, guys. I've just got the image of Jack having just a normal Christmas with his, with his kids and there's someone watching him throughout the entire episode. He's not even the fo- main focus of the episode. He's walking around doing his thing on Christmas Day, but there's always someone watching him. And then at the very end, it's revealed that Ronnie is watching him from a bushes. And then we, Did they and then we... do that this Christmas? Isn't he getting married to Denise? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that would be perfect. Imagine, but Alex. Bear in mind here that we actually saw Ronnie on screen dead in a coffin. So a line down with her eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> or just sleeping, sleeping very, very deeply. Anyone can do that. If they could put Dirty Dan back, you it's know. It's like some Stranger Things. You find out it was just a doll with foam inside. What about for you, Alex? Because I don't actually know your sort of EastEnders origin story. How long have you been watching it for? And what do you remember the first Christmas that really resonated with you? I mean, the first Christmas, 1985, um, was a very, very, very soft affair compared to what they get up to nowadays. I think the biggest thing was the reveal of people's party <laughs> trick, um, which you don't need to go into on this show. Yeah, they, but um, They wouldn't be, they uh, be able to do that now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't alive then, you see. No, well done, Rob. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for me, like, it, it has to be Trevor abusing little Mo over Christmas dinner, pushing her face into the plate of food, putting the gravy on her head. You know, you, this is when you first found out that the, you, how bad the abuse was between them. And that's back in 2001 on Christmas Day. Such a oh, chilling moment. And you know, we're saying, like, you know, there's some dark stories, but I don't think they've ever gone any darker than that for a Christmas Day storyline. Listen, I'm sorry I'm late. It's just that... Um... Zoe's back and, uh, you know, I lost track of all time. That's all right, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. You're here now. That's what matters. Come on. Keep your dinner warm. It's lovely. Sit yourself down. Ta-da! Thank you. Oh, gravy. Yeah. Don't trip it, please. I thought you liked gravy. Yeah, I do, but look at it. I'm sorry. Is it too much? No. No, it's fine. It's lovely. Thank you. Oh, come on. Eat up. I said it! What's wrong? Eh? You're not hungry. Is that it? Don't you want it? What's the matter, sweetheart? It's not good as your grand makes it. No! 
Catherine, you'd rather spend time over there with your family than with me on Christmas, eh? No, no. Oh, so you still want your dinner? I seem to have thrown it on the floor, though. Never mind. There you go. Now eat it. You know, it kind of sucks out any joy that you may have had at that time of year <laughs> from seeing seeing that horrible, horrible uh, scenes play out in front of you. Because everybody says, oh, it's always so miserable at Christmas. But why do they tend to lean into that, do you think? Is there a reason why they go that direction? Well, I, I think that good drama is not people being happy. I, I think as much as people like to protest it, nobody would crowd around the TV to watch a load of people having a nice time. You know, and Christmas Day, I think, is always a day that's full of high emotions anyway. Everything feels special on Christmas Day. So to have a big old revelation or, or something kick yeah. off on Christmas Day, it makes it feel ten times more effective. I don't know why. It's maybe just a psychology thing. But Christmas Day always feels like the day. Like, imagine if that happened on Christmas Day. It'd be crazy. You'd always remember it. So I think that mm. it's that thing that that's when everybody would watch it. So it, stick, it sticks in your mind a bit more, I think. Mm. Mm think they've lost that balance a lot of the 90s ones for some reason are on youtube so i've watched a lot of the ones from the 90s that no one remembers there seems to be that as you say the the, the dramatic element the big story but there's also like the secondary characters going around to everyone's houses um i think it was the 97 one where everyone bought crackers that had dirty limericks inside and then all they bought these dodgy Christmas angels off of the market that all blew up at the same time. So they had these little sort of comic moments in there alongside the more sort of powerful moments. Do you think it's lost that sort of balance now? Is it, you know, is it darker than it once was? A lot of the stories tend to end at Christmas time. So, I mean, there's always the focus on the one main story. I mean, if we were going to go back to the episode with Stacey and Max Affair, there's a lot of stories that circulate around that as well. There's Ian Bill and Stephen Bill who are trying to fix this, you know, very damaged relationship between each other. And Pat's there trying to be like the mediator between them. There's the Mitchells who have the big Christmas dinner as well, upstairs in the Vic. Sometimes it's difficult now to kind of like introduce other stories when you're they're so heavily focusing on one quite so much because i watched the actually the one the next year the 2008 one because that's on the iplayer that was the big one with the the dna results in the cracker yes oh yeah (laughs) but that also had a lot of dot and jim because it builds up to nasty nick coming back right at the end Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of dot and jim which is quite tender and then there's like a storyline where there's all the sort of waifs and strays who trying to find food like Heather and Shirley and Gary and Minty all trying to find food in the square and end up inviting themselves around to Ian Beals. So there's a lot of difference now. And then I watched last year's special, which all seemed to be very dark and all around sort of Sharon trying to have Ian killed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never, never blackened this, this door again with that storyline. I mean, what you've also got to remember, of course, is that if people, if you think Christmas Day, a lot of people, the psyche on Christmas Day is, you know, oh, I've got all the family coming around. There's a moment inside you where you're dreading it ever so slightly because Christmas Day is traditionally associated also with arguing with your family. You know, nobody, there's a reason why you only see certain members of your family on Christmas Day. 
you know? <laughs> so I think, that, I think that kind of adds into it as well. No matter how crazy things might get on screen, there's always that little bit of relatability when you're looking at people screaming blue murder at each other on Christmas Day and you think, I've done that. I've done that on Christmas Day. I don't speak to that member of the family anymore because of Christmas. <laughs> You've never had a liver transplant, though, on Christmas Day, have you? Like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm asking, I'm asking. <laughs> no, it was a kidney transplant oh, okay, I had on Christmas okay. Day. Oh, happy kidney day. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <My> kidney anniversary. <laughs> kidney in the stable. I like the image of that. <laughs> in the age of streaming, and Alex wrote a very interesting piece for for me on on this very topic. But how can soap stay relevant so that we don't have to have this conversation next year and say, does soap still matter? Do you think it's just about pleasing people like yourselves the hardcore fans and if they are vocal then more people will tune in to see what all the fuss is about because it's just i feel like we're so disparate in our viewing at the moment eastenders isn't high profile it's not i haven't seen a trailer for the christmas ones yet i haven't even seen any interviews in magazines with this is happening at christmas how can it stay within the public conscience and relevant do you think nowadays and especially at christmas i think the main thing that needs to be done is to not be too confident with it and remember that nothing is forever and to remember that sometimes you need to go the extra mile to get people talking again and not just assume that bums are going to be on seats because um this year the soaps all sort of did little mini crossovers to talk about climate change and it was interesting to notice okay so you can talk to each other you can work together the soap genre as a whole seems to be in a decline these days. You know, less people are watching the soap genre as a whole, not just EastEnders, but all of them. And I think it might be worth the soaps talking to each other and saying, right, instead of trying to knock each other around the schedules and instead of trying to kill each other off, I think we need to work together, become colleagues on this and talk about how to keep the soap genre alive going forwards and have a conversation about how to how to keep themselves relevant and how to keep themselves in the public eye. Because the soaps are an important part of British TV, I think. I think they're a very British thing. I'm not so. I don't think there's many countries in the world that embrace the genre of soap opera quite as much in the same way as we do. And it would be a shame to lose that because they always provoke conversation, no matter what you might think of a storyline. They get people talking, and they can be used for good. You know, when you've got an important story like the Trevor and Little Mo one on Christmas Day, that would have a massive conversation starting about domestic violence. And numbers of helplines would have rocketed because that's what soaps have the power of doing. So to lose that, I think, would be a great shame and a great disservice to what soaps can actually do. So I think they need to speak to each other and try and keep each other alive in today's climate. The very reason I wanted you on was because they are part of our TV fabric, specifically at Christmas, because we all have the memories of Bradley and Stacey and Ronnie and Roxy and... Den and Ange, obviously, we talked about that last year. Yeah, the, the first big EastEnders Christmas. Yeah, everyone, Den and Angie handing the divorce papers over. 30 million viewers, was it, Alex? Something insane, like half the world was watching but, or something. But then crazy. that also had the Arthur Fowler depression storyline, which was, I think, the more powerful piece in that. Yeah, the same year. It was a really good story, mm. that. Really uh, interesting. When he when he stole the Christmas Club money for um, mm. Lofty and Michelle's wedding. Great it's story. him sitting there in the dark and, and then having that massive breakdown where everyone else mm. has gone to the pub. And I think that, that gets forgotten in the sort of the big dramatic storyline. But that is sort of the, the combination of the two, I think, really worked there. 
I mean, promotion is smoke and mirrors, isn't it? So, you know, everyone remembers the Den and Angie thing. Mm. So that's what the BBC will push for everyone to try to remember. But I agree with you. I thought the Arthur breakdown story was brilliant. But then, you know, I would say that because Arthur is my absolute favourite character. Brilliant character. Again, it's something Rob and I have spoken about on the podcast in the past, that there there seems to be a, a lack of community on the show nowadays it's like no one tends to you know kind of interfere in each other's business quite as much as they used to like something could happen on the square and people wouldn't hear about it for weeks on end you know if you're watching Mm. eastenders from the 80s and the 90s it's it's the next day's gossip and Mm. everyone's talking about it and whispering you know on the market again is it is it just the era of the time that it's just the way that the show's being written at the moment and perhaps that's something that could be reintroduced with the new executive producer and also of course those people in the 90s that weren't involved in the story they could watch the omnibus Yes. Yes. I mean, bring back the omnibus. Hashtag bring back the omnibus. (laughs) (laughs) Watching EastEnders hung hung over on a Sunday was my favourite things to do. You know, that's one of the main sort of staples of the soap, talking about the community. Although in real life, you know, how many people do you actually know or speak to that live down your street? I I don't even. I barely even know my neighbour's name. You know, uh, (laughs) I know know the the neighbours either side and one over the road, but you know. How long have you been there a fair while, haven't you, though? Yeah, like 15 years, so... Well, there you go. I know my neighbours. I know... um, I won't say their names. I was about to say their names. (laughs) (laughs) Right, next door. (laughs) There's uh, Mrs Smith next door and Mr Jones is on the back. No, um, but... but, um, But I I mean, but EastEnders was always built on the kind of community spirit, wasn't it? That was what the, the show was built on. I suppose to an argument... It's, it's it's all based on a street, isn't it? It's like Brookside Close. It's all this community in the street. Yeah. Coronation Street. It's all community in the street. So it, it's it's meant to be about this spirit where everyone kind of is interfering with each other's business. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but a lot of people don't have a pub down the other end of the street. More is more's the pity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're all drinking in the same local, so that's how you get to know your neighbours, I suppose. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That was yeah. in unison, that. I think... <laughs> Rob and I are. <laughs> well, I like Anton Deck. <laughs> the one thing we have on common is our alcoholism. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can find the subject and... really when you mention alcoholism and Anton Deck in the same sentence. I know. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, taste. Oh. That was our controversial Christmas joke. Are you listening, Anna Deck? <laughs> you can find Alex and Rob over on the Wolford Weekly podcast wherever you get podcasts from. They're also because they're hip and modern. And just about the right age, they're on YouTube as well. Subscribe on there, you get all the spoilers prior to EastEnders being on. You get special episodes that they work on. They're very devoted EastEnders fans, even if EastEnders makes it tricky sometimes to be devoted (laughs) to. Have a brilliant Christmas. Take care and make sure you find Rob and Alex wherever good podcasts are sold. Have a good Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I now get a bit of a break as Matt turns quizmaster and we welcome former podcast employee Gary and site contributor Sarah to take on Boxmaster but with a festive twist. So we're now here. Uh, Luke has disappeared um, for the festive Boxmaster special. My two um, volunteers or victims or... People who were free on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, this, by the way, is the uh, only Christmas quiz that, you know, is legal. We're all socially distanced. We're scattered around the country. 
Sarah's got wine, but I can't see any cheese. I've, I've got some cheese <laughs> in the fridge. Do you want to get it out? I've got cheesecake for later, babes. Come on round. Oh, sorry, no, I I certainly struggle to get to Gary. I think Sarah is quite local to me. Saying about that, I almost shook someone's hand today. There you are. Almost. Uh, then we'll gross. Then I remembered. Mm. We actually went out for a, for a Christmas party on Friday with work, but we were oh. allowed still. I'm still what? COVID free. And I'm boosted. And I think we're all boosted up here, aren't we, as well? We are all boosted up. Yep. There you Three go. Jab. Three Back jab. to the max, baby. <laughs> Woo. I can't do the clicking of the fingers, sorry. <laughs> Is that the arthritis? Arthritis. Yes. Yeah, right. I was gonna make that joke. yeah, it's not Gary being cool, it's just the arthritis. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday Sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. It's been a while since we did Boxmaster. Actually, Sarah's defending champion at the moment. She won the... Oh, Hello. You won the end of the year one last year. Do you not remember? I think I've only done two and the first one was shameful. So it was it was good that I got a win. Basically, our format is very similar, apart from these all being quite festive questions. We have got bonus questions, but they are all guest the year, which I know is a favourite of everyone's. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I am feeling so festive and generous, uh, we will I will allow you to have one year either side of the of the answer as well. So those questions, when they come up, they will be worth six points. Everything else is worth three. So total of thirty-nine. Sarah, as the as the uh, as the gem as the champion, would you like uh, set A or set B of the questions? I will have set B, please. Thank you very much. So for Sarah, question number one: In BBC's twenty nineteen adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which Australian actor took on the role of Scrooge? This oh was, my god! This was the one. Yeah, it was the one that was created by Stephen Knight of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was very much not Jason Donovan. That's my answer. Okay. Oh, I know his name is Guy, but I can't remember what his surname is. Is well, that right? I know who it is, you don't get to steal, Gary. You don't get to what? steal. <laughs> can I just? Can I just say anyway? Was it Guy Pearce? Yes, it was. Can I get so, a point for naming his first name? <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it would be like one and a half and it would be too, too much. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite stingy on half points. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Question number two. 
Which children's TV character voiced by Neil Morrissey beat popular boy band Westlife to the Christmas number one in 2000? Gary looks Bob like he knows this one. It was Bob Just the say Bill. that again. Bob the Builder, yeah, correct? Okay, your first name the year question. Which year saw ITV air the first Downton Abbey Christmas special? David Jason sitcom The Royal Bodyguard debuting on Boxing Day and the film premieres of Ratatouille and Monsters vs. Aliens. That's hard. 2006. Oh, no. Sorry, I can't give you a year either side. Gary, what would your guess have been for that one? I kind of feel it was like 2010. Oh, yeah, Gary would have got uh, points on that one. It's 2011 was the answer. Question number four. Which British comic actor best known for being part of a double act voiced Father Christmas in the animated film of the same name broadcast on Channel 4 in 1991? Was it Hale and or Pace? Do you want to nail, nail that for me there? <laughs> no, I'm probably wrong anyway. It's probably the wrong double act. So you don't want to hazard hazard any uh, guess Yeah, I'm gonna all. I'm gonna go pace. Pace, no, no, it's Mel Smith was the answer. Boo! <laughs> okay, how are your EastEnders, Sarah? Very bad. Don't worry, Gary's got an EastEnders question as well. I'm making well, it fair. <laughs> as long as mine is something to do with one from the eighties, I'll be all right. Pauline Fowler died in the 2006 EastEnders Christmas special. But what household implement was used to to finish her off? Oh, if you hadn't said household implement, I would have just assumed it was a fire at the pub because it's always a fire mm. at the pub. Yeah. Um, oh, if it's a Christmas one, maybe it was a carving knife. Mm, no, she was hit over the head. I'll give you that as a clue. Wow, I've got nothing. A doorstop. Doorstop, no, uh, Gary. Was it a picture of Arthur, her husband? That was good. That would have been good, though. It should be, be on the writing stuff. Good, yeah, I should be writing for them. Yeah, it was a, it was a frying pan, is the answer. Uh, a frying pan. Very festive. <laughs> Second one, uh, name the year. Which year saw ITV air three episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on Christmas Day, a Christmas special of Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies on Christmas Eve, and Channel 4 airing Snow Graham Norton, a festive version of The Irishman's hit chat show? 1996. Oh, no, no, and again, you're nearer than you were the first time. (laughs) Gary, what would your guess have been on that one? 1999. That would have been spot on there, but again, not your questions. I'm going to do terrible on my set. Let's see if we can get you some points on this one. (laughs) Which soap actor provided Channel 4's alternative Christmas message in 2018, where he described Donald Trump as an absolute melt and the Brexit, Brexit process as a shambles? Oh, yes. I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Daddy Dyer. Yeah! Well, I was say, is that yeah. the first point that I've got? 
No, you got you you got something else as well. You got Bob the Builder. But if I get any more than two right, it's going to be a Christmas miracle. And, and this is one Gary's going to know as well. Uh, <laughs> How the Ghost Stole Christmas and Christmas Carol are festive episodes of which sci-fi fantasy TV show? Sci-fi fantasy is, is a curveball. I understand sci-fi and fantasy, but... It's sort of sci-fi? more... I would say it's more sci-fi. Uh, can I get a clue? British or American? American. Star Trek. No. Gary? I don't think I know. No, I'm going to have to pass. You're going to have to kick yourself as well. It's the X-Files. Oh, flipping it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'd forgotten about them. Yeah, me too. I was one a massive you... X-Files fan in my but, team. Yeah, yeah Gary, Gary's one of I'm, Gary's I'm, faves. I'm, I'm just about to hit Series 5 on my rewatch. How many rewatches? This is the first rewatch since it oh, originated. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, I've you... never done a rewatch. That's what I'm going to treat myself to next year. Another guest of the year now, Sarah. Which year featured Malcolm and Wise's first Christmas special since they moved to ITV? Boxing Day episode of Are You Being Served, which saw the Grace Brothers staff perform a ballet, and the TV premiere of Diamonds Are Forever. The clue is this is pre us being born. <laughs> but well, post, I mean, but that's post, not a massive time period but post, or anything. But, po- but post Gary. Well, that narrows it down. I'm going to get this wrong again, aren't I? I've got all of these wrong. Um, 1979. Oh, yeah, you get some points. It was 78. Hey, 78. Yeah, he's going to get 77, so... I yeah, you will decide. That's good. And finally, um, this is probably... Well, I don't know. Let's see how you got on. In the 2000 Christmas special of the Royal Family... What does the family club together to buy Jim for Christmas? Um, is it Sky TV? It is Sky TV. Well done. <laughs> uh, much to Luke's chagrin, I've never watched an episode of the Royal Family. <laughs> My in-laws are basically the Royal Family. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. it, was, it wasn't a comedy. It was a documentary. It was a docu-soap, yeah. So, uh, 15 altogether there, Sarah. That is poor. Gary, you should be able to... Come on, you can do this. Come on, Gary. And Gary knew most of those as well, didn't he? Yeah, I chose the wrong set of questions, obviously. Mm. That's what I can... Maybe you didn't. Maybe you stopped me from getting the ones I knew, you know, that might have worked in your favour. Gary, question one for you. In ITV's 2000 adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which former soap actor took on the role of Eddie Scrooge? Shane Ritchie. No. Do you know this one, Sarah? No, I know it was brilliant, but I can't remember who it was. It was Ross Kemp. And if you'd listened to the review me and Luke had done last year on our Christmas special, then you would know. I haven't listened to an episode since I left. Come on, man. This is the only the ones you've been on. <laughs> no, it's not true. Uh, question two. Which children's TV character, best known for his appearance on the Saturday night TV show, beat popular boy band Take That to Christmas number one in 1993? Mr. Blobby. Yeah, well done. So first year one for you, Gary. 
which year featured the debut of the snowman on channel four a christmas day paul daniels special whose guests included floella benjamin and lorraine chase and chas and dave's christmas knees up on itv it's between one of two so i'm going to go in the middle to try and get the point 1983 yeah well done 82 82 because the snowman was one of the first shows on channel four Mm, well done so uh, question four which Scottish actor arguably best known for his roles in a fantasy film franchise voiced the Gruffalo in two BBC animated specials which aired on Christmas Day well um, Scottish so it could be Tennant it could be let's go with Tennant no um Sarah, have you got a guess for this one? No, I haven't. All no. I could think of was DT as well. No, it's Robbie Coltrane. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's definitely Scottish. Sci-fi uh, fantasy film yeah, franchise Harry being Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, your EastEnders question now, Gary. Archie Mitchell was murdered in the 2009 EastEnders Christmas special, but what was used as the murder weapon? I would Can say... I get he... the same sort of clue that Sarah got? I would say it was. it's quite an iconic item. Yeah, but the thing is, I haven't watched EastEnders since Dirty Den mm. left. But so, you'd, know, um... you'd, know the, you'd know the item if you watched. It's an iconic item. Right. Okay. I've got a guess. Was it... A car. No. What's your guess? So. Um, was it Watford? Is it Watford? No, not Watford Square. Wolf. What is it? Wolf? Wolford. Wolford. It's meant to be Watford, isn't it? Wolford Square railings. No. It was, in fact, the bust of the Queen Vic. Oh, <laughs> Another year one. So, which year saw ITV air an episode of Rowan Atkinson's May Grey on Christmas Day, the BBC adaptation of Witness for the Prosecution, and Richard Ayoade take Rebel Wilson to Florence in a special edition of Travel Man? 2017. Oh, again, he's one year out. 2016 is the, Very is the answer. Very good work. <laughs> Which TV chef, so it's question seven now, which TV chef provided Channel 4's alternative Christmas message in 2005 where he was served turkey twangers? Well, that that would be our mate Jamie Oliver. Yeah, well done. <laughs> question number eight. Last Christmas and The Snowmen are festive episodes of which sci-fi slash fantasy TV show? See, I don't think Star Trek ever did fantasy Christmas episodes. Mm. So I'm going to rule that out. Can I again ask US or America? US or US or American? US or US or UK? British, British, British. I go for Doctor Who. You are right. Well done, yeah. Doctor Who. Red Dwarf didn't do Christmas either. Another year one for you, Gary. Last one. Which year saw the Only Fools and Horses Christmas special where Dell and Rodney played Batman and Robin? Rory Bremner impersonate Princess Diana on Channel 4's alternative Christmas message and the film premieres of Jurassic Park and Free Willy. It was before 1997 then. <sighs> 1989. Oh no, way out. Yeah. Sarah, do you yeah. want it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
1995. Oh, you would have got the points on that one. 96. Well done. <laughs> that wasn't that long before 1997 then. No, no, I was thinking, he's, is he going to go 97? Yeah. <laughs> and finally, for your last one, in the 2003 Christmas special of the UK office, what present did Tim get Dawn that ultimately le led to their long-anticipated kiss? It was something she really... Oh, I'm trying to think back now, but I don't want to get it confused with the American office. Was it a snow globe? No, unfortunately not. Sarah, do you remember at all? Did you watch The Office? Didn't watch it. Too no. For me. No, I, th I thought we'd have that conversation. I thought um, we'd have that conversation. Stapler and jelly. That's the only object I can remember from The Office. <laughs> no, I think I think it was in the back of Gary's mind somewhere. It was an oil painting set because she wanted yeah, to be an illustrator. It was because she wanted to go to art college or something, didn't she? It was some. Mm. I remember it was something like that. It was a good episode. Okie dokie. And Gary, um, well done on that one. 21, because you nailed the bonuses there. Yeah, absolutely. Hedged his bets and nailed those bonuses. Yeah, got me years right. Well, well done, Gary. Is there an actual trophy or can I get my own one commissioned? Just you check. Can get, you can buy your own one. Yep, I'll send fine. you a mince pie in the post or something. That'd be great. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe send me the voucher for a mince pie. I don't want okay, to. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll. Uh, Send you a. I'll pay for Tesco's order to your flat. That's just like a pack of mince pies. Well, thanks very much, guys, and uh, a, a, a tentative Merry Christmas to you both. You thanks very much, Matt. Uh, Luke, I don't miss <laughs> you. Thanks. Luke's back now. Luke's back. <laughs> Come on, Luke. So that is it. Not quite the end of the podcast for the year because we will be back to discuss the best of 2021 for you all, counting down not only our favourites, but the top 10 of the site contributors as well. So that will be our final podcast of the year. Thank you so much to everybody who got in touch. Thank you to Dawn, who we spoke to about Dinner Ladies, Sophie Davis, who we spoke to about Top of the Pops, the guys from the Wolford Weekly Podcast. Check them out if you're a big EastEnders fan, or just if you like the sound of them on here. And and all the other, so the shipyard and yeah. it's an S pod thing, and is it smash prawns in the Milky Basket? Is That's Sophie's the other ones? One? Everyone we have on now has got their own podcast. I know it's well. scary for the moment. <laughs> Gary and Sarah haven't, but that could all change. Thank you to them as well for taking part mm -hmm. in the yeah, Christmas box master. And Matt and I will be back after Christmas in that weird gap time between Christmas and New Year when nobody knows quite what to do with themselves to discuss, as I say, the best shows of the year. Have a lovely Christmas, whatever you do. Feels like we need a song at the end. I don't know. Okay, have a wonderful <laughs> Christmas, folks. We'll be back at the, at the end of the year with the end of the year podcast. Take care and have a lovely Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation free, 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 free. 
free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.